Are you paving the way for the life you want? Facing decisions that may affect you personally and financially? The Decision Dialogues podcast, brought to you by Modera Wealth Management, presents personal stories about navigating through life's pivotal moments. Narratives that we hope will inspire you as you create your own story. You'll learn what influenced their next steps and gain insights that could help you with your own critical choices. Welcome to Decision Dialogues. Thanks for joining us on Decision Dialogues. We're thrilled to have you along. My name is Mark Willoughby, and I'm a Principal and Wealth Manager at Modera Wealth Management, LLC. Today, my colleague, Michael Gibney, who's a Principal and Wealth Manager at Modera too, and I will be chatting with Thomas Johnson, who's a Civil War survivor, a philanthropist, an investor, a C-suite advisor, podcast host, and founder and CEO of Get Up and Get Fit, a wellness concierge company. Welcome, everyone, to the show, and I'll hand it over to Mike. Thank you, Mark. Uh, Welcome, everyone, and a special welcome to Thomas Johnson, who is a college friend of joy. So that's how we got introduced to Thomas, and we're happy to have him. And Thomas, I will just hand it over to you to introduce yourself and and welcome. Thank you for joining us. Yeah, um, thank you. Thank you, gentlemen, and Joy as well. So um, I'm Thomas Johnson. I'm a Civil War survivor, philanthropist, investor. I'm also a C-suite advisor, podcast host, and the founder and CEO of Get Up and Get Fit, which is a wellness concierge company that supports high performers towards living a healthier lifestyle. All right. I think the elephant in the room question is you must elaborate on the Civil War survivor comment, please. Yeah. So my, my parents had myself and my sister in Liberia, and shortly afterwards, they came to the States to get things settled, to send for us later on. That was the goal. So they left us with our grandmother. At the time, my grandmother, she was very well off, had a lot of property in Monrovia. But the Civil War broke out shortly afterwards. Now imagine you're a child, right? You're having a great time. You have a lot of space. You're enjoying nature. You're enjoying family. And all of a sudden, chaos. So... I experienced this very chaotic situation at a very young age. I was about, what, about three years old, three to five, hearing bombs running. There was even a time where when everyone was running from the rebels, they lost me by accident. So I was, I was misplaced. I remember being so frightened. And luckily for me, a family friend saw me and picked me up and took me to a place that was safe. Little my family found me. So I experienced a lot of chaos at an early age. but Despite my situation, despite diversity, I was able to grow through that and become the man I am today. So I tell people, instead of living the victim mentality, instead of embracing that, you want to kind of embrace the hero. You want to be that person to overcome. Because if you could overcome, you could show others and lead others towards being better people, towards you know getting to the next level in life. So I'm not a victim, man. I went through a certain situation and it made me a better person. It made me a better person. Wow. No doubt. When we were preparing for this, my first thought was your Civil War survivor was a euphemism for something, but it was very literal. (laughs) Uh, And I know Mark, as a history buff, may want to jump in and ask some questions because that is a phenomenal story. I just can't imagine what you went through, Thomas. And I'm just curious in the end. So your your mom and dad had, had come to the States first. Yeah. How did you eventually manage to get out of Liberia? So my family is extremely large, right? I have some family 
on my mother's side, that was that was also they were into politics. You know, they they were in, in, mm-hmm. in they were in they had some government position as well. Mm-hmm. Let's just say being consistent and persistent. My parents were relentless in trying to get us okay. towards the state. So going through the whole visa situation, you know, trying to maintain communication while everything was chaotic. Yep. They persevered and they were able to send force. But my grandmother and my, my family members, they were the people that nurture us and protected us and show us love. I mean, I tell everyone to this day, I won't be alive right now if it wasn't for my grandmother, you know? So, yeah, pretty much, pretty much that's it right there, man. It's an amazing story. Amazing story. Welcome to the United States of America, right? <laughs> yeah, I've been there for about 30 years now. <laughs> yep. So bring us through that. Thomas, bring us through coming here, going to school, meeting Joy. Bring us to uh, your career that led to your working life. Yeah, so I actually stumbled upon my career. Originally, when I first entered the university, I was a business management major. I did my internship at Moody's Investor Services, working in asset finance. And my goal was to go get, get a degree and come back, right? <laughs> but as you know, life happens. So while in college, my sophomore year, broke college student, right? Looking for ways and means to try to you know afford booze and, and, and party money. <laughs> um, <laughs> I got I got a job at the gym. But while working there, that's when it dawned on me. It did not feel like work. Everything was just flowing effortlessly, you know. The prior to that, you know, I, I I come from a sports background. So I played football in high school, ran track. I've always took care of my body. But being in a space that allowed me to learn more about about the human body and working with the faculty and the staff and the athletes and be also being able to support them along the journey, I have found my lane. Right? It was no longer just going into the gym and like and signing like a a, a checking into the gym. I was literally in my zone. So the second semester, they made me a supervisor, you know? And I had an amazing time. And I saw Joy a few times coming to the gym. You know, normally I'll ask, do you have the key card or do you have the card? She would come through smiling cheese and, you know, we'll greet each other and and, and keep it keep it keep it pushing. But um being that space, like I said, I found my calling. I changed my major from business management to nutrition and I added a personal training minor. The later on, I also did um, expeditionary studies where I did rock climbing on a random. <laughs> I, I climbed the other round axe as well. But I will not trade my experience for anything else because it was meant to happen that way. You know? That's that's great. And and finding your niche in school yes. is a huge plus. And you're among uh, the few of us who are able to to make a living from what we love to do. So good for you. So bring us through your history out of school and how you got to get up and get fit starting your own business. Yeah. So originally, you know, normally when we have a game plan, it doesn't go 100 percent according to plan. Right. According to what you thought or what you what you perceive this plan to be. So in college, my rugby name was Onyx. Right, <laughs> Onyx. So my goal was to create a gym called Onyx Fitness. So I was like, you know what? I'm gonna graduate. You know, I'm gonna look up the domain. And after I graduated, I looked up Onyx Fitness. It was taken. <laughs> so by you know just asking my siblings and just and just 
coming up with different type of, you know, wordings. Um, I was able to come up with the name Get Up and Get Fit. But it, it has been a journey to be where I'm at right now. So from being in college and having my wellness concierge company, it has been a journey. The reason why I said this is after I graduated, I went an independent route. I worked with a few clientele, right? But then I also realized that I was lacking experience in terms of working with high performers, right? Mm-hmm. The, the only type of clientele I was accustomed to at that, at that time was collegiate, right? Um, athletes, you know, folks within the college setting. So I knew I had to mix it up. So I got a, a job at a few gyms in Manhattan. And I was, that was, that was exposed to more folks in corporate, right? And, yeah. and while, while going through that, um, that time and that experience, I became a celebrity trainer. I worked with a few politicians, a few celebrities, a couple of professional athletes, even met The Rock, <laughs> right? Okay. Um, and it was an amazing experience, but I'm very goal-oriented. So after two years, I told myself, I don't care if I'm making six figures, I'm out of here. So two years so two years and two months, while being at David Barton Gym, I left and I went the independent route. So I did a few boot camps, classes in Brooklyn and other places. Then I finally decided to go a little further. But what really changed the trajectory of being a personal trainer to now being an executive wellness coach was my experience working with a client of mine at the gym. So she was the VP of a multi-million dollar company in Manhattan. And she was having most of her meetings at Boston Restaurant. She was having about eight meetings per, per, per week and one to three drinks per meeting. And when I saw that, I had to kind of stop in my steps and, and reevaluate what I was what, what I was reviewing. And I was like, you know what? Something's going on that's way beneath the surface. So I decided to you know, have a conversation with her the next time. So this was a lady. She was very astute, a personality type, extremely intelligent, very upfront. So my thought process was I'm going to speak to her just like the way she is, right? I'm going to approach her and just keep it very honest, right up front. And that was, that was the game plan. So she came, she came to the gym. We sat down and I, saw, and I told her, listen, this is what I just observed. If you continue down this trajectory, this is what's bound to happen. And out of nowhere, she just broke down my arm and started crying. Now I wasn't I wasn't I was not expecting this reaction, you mm-hmm. know? And while listening to her pour out her heart to me, she was telling me how she was extremely stressed out, how being a woman in her position was extremely stressed out, how nobody understood how it was, you know, to operate at this high level. And I had I had no response. Normally I'm the guy with all the answers, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. I had no response. All I did was close my mouth and I listened. And it dawned on me that there were so many other high performers going through the same thing. They're working their butts off to, you know, hit the bottom line to make sure the run the companies, the, the company are running smoothly, but they are struggling, right? They tend to forego their health and just double down on the company related activities. And because I also work with professional athletes, I reflected on working with these athletes and I realized that they had a water support team to keep them healthy during the season and off season. They had, you know, massage therapists, personal trainers, other therapists, right, dietitians, et cetera, to keep them healthy during the season and off season. So I asked myself, what would it look like if I just marry these two? If I take this structure and bring it over to this type of clientele? It took me a long time to kind of figure out how to really make it happen. And I did it, I did it eventually. And I was able to create my what is concierge um, service where we identify our clients' habits, the negative habits, and we create a program for them. 
we connect them with a water support team to keep them accountable and support them along the journey. So they could travel, you know, back and forth and still be able to maintain a healthy lifestyle. That's a, that's a great story. Uh, so obviously that was one of the triggers to have you start your own business. Yeah. Walk through that with me, Thomas. That's a big risk to take starting your own business. How much risk were you willing to take and, and what was going through your mind that you said, you know what, I can do this on my own? <laughs> the thing is, I'm a very stubborn individual, right? Um, my risk tolerance is extremely high. I'm single. I have no kids. My overhead is extremely um, low. I could survive on one meal a day, right, in the small shack. So my, my, my risk tolerance was, was, pretty, was pretty high. But one thing I'm pretty good at is feeling forward. If I fail... I don't, I don't really believe in failure. I believe in learning through the process, right? So when I first started, my business acumen was zero to none. <laughs> you know, I was just a personal trainer that wanted to help people. So it took me a long time to figure out how to run a business. So once I started tapping into personal development and started collecting books and started studying success and other folks who were, you know, successful at creating businesses, I became better. You know, once I started asking the right questions, I became better. So the journey has been a beautiful one. You, you know, I have to jump in here, Thomas, because having been having listened to a number of folks like you on other podcasts, a lot of the stories have a lot of similarities. And it sounds like you worked quite a while for other companies first and learned a lot along the way and used the journey as a way to come up with an idea for your own firm. is it That sounds like it's the way it's worked for you over the last number of years. So yes and no. I learned a few things in terms of, you know, how to work with clientele. But one thing about me, I'm very observant. I also learned the things that I did not like, right? I, I, I saw a lot of things within the fitness, within the wellness industry that I did not like. The first, the first thing was, the first thing is, I should say, is the lack of accountability, right? Most people, mm-hmm. when they join a gym, especially like around New Year's, they will join a gym because they are gung-ho to change their body, change their mindset. And once they lose that motivation, they go right back to the old habits. So most gyms make the majority of their money through the first month of the year. So that, that, that lack of accountability is very prominent within the industry. I also saw you know clients working with trainers and focusing only on superficial goals. I want to lose a few pounds for my wedding dress. I want to look good for Bahamas, um, the Cayman Islands, etc. But once they reach that goal, what happens? They go right back to the old habits. So seeing these reoccurring the trend, it bothered me. It was not sustainable. Yep. You know? Yep. So I wanted to really step up and make a difference. So I guess you would say I... I'm against a lot of the things that's occurring within the wellness industry. I wanted to, I wanted to correct, correct that and be the change. Talk to us about how how you're doing that with your Get Up and Get Fit. With Get Up and Get Fit, we focus on more of a lifestyle change, right? We have a lifestyle um, structure. So like I said, when a client comes on board, the first thing we do is we assess their lifestyle. Now, every individual is different. You can have a twin. But just because you guys are twins does not mean you have the same lifestyle, all right? So we assess the lifestyle. We, we find out about the negative habits. Then we create a program for them. Then we connect them with the wellness support team. So, for instance, if you're a person working at, the, at your desk for hours at a time, 
I'm definitely sure, I'm almost 100% sure you might have postural issues, right? You might have tight hips, tight shoulders, and, and et cetera. So we, we, assess, we assess the client as an individual and we create a customized program for them that they could um, implement into the lifestyle. Now, of course, and as high performers, we're, we're always busy. We're always on the go. So we don't think about the, the little details. But if we have a wellness support team, somebody to keep it accountable, it makes it much easier. Having a wellness support team is just as important as having a legal team, right? Just as important as, as having accountants to manage your, your, your money and finances, et cetera. But we tend not to think about the, these things. And I, I love the fact that you've mentioned it a couple of times that you call yourself a wellness concierge. And, you know, again, things you've mentioned too and things I've gotten from your website is you're customizing this for someone. So you're calling yourself an accountability partner. You're saying on your website that this is a, an investment in yourself and, and you're focusing on nutrition. So you seem, you know, when someone starts their own business, you need to have a niche. And it seems you've created a great niche to cover those three things, self-investment, accountability, and nutrition. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's just, so when, I, when I say lifestyle, it's nutrition is a, it's a huge aspect. But um, I normally tell people sleep is king, nutrition is queen, and exercise is the prince or princess, right? Because people don't even think about, think about sleep. Now, if you don't sleep for a certain amount of days, you could literally pass away. You could survive not eating for a few days. Yeah. You can survive not exercising for a few days, but people don't think about these things. So it's more of a lifestyle approach. So we assess your sleep, you know, your nutrition, your stress level. Now stress, we all, we all know stress is, is the devil in a sense, right? We deal with stress, but most people don't know how to, how to really um, manage the stress, right? They might, turn to um, booze or, or drugs or, or et cetera, or just or some type of negative behavior to, to cope with that. So it's really, the goal is to have a healthier lifestyle, have a lifestyle that allows you to be an able person, have a lifestyle that allows you to feel good. You want to feel good. You want to you want to have yeah. energy, endurance. You want to be able to walk up a flight of stairs and not be huffing and puffing. There seems to be a lot of concentration and a lot of focus on that. You know, we're, we're you see commercials for the Peloton and for Nordic Track think, that are trying to promote what you're helping people with. Do you view that as competition or is it just heightened awareness for you? You know, um, there are competition. I, I'm, not, I'm not going to deny. You know, these, these are huge company with, with a, lot of, a lot of money. But my thing is, it's just extra motivation for me, man. I'm, I'm an athlete. I have the athlete mindset. I will always um, compete. Um, if anything, you know, I'm, they're basically fueling the, um, the, the fire. I love it. One thing I always like to ask our guest Thomas is, you know, as you're getting ready to start your own business, talk to me about some of the financial decisions sort of you had to deal with and think about and make before you decided to stop working for other companies and go out and work on your own. What was the financial end of that like? So with that, I had a few thousand, I think I had like $2,000 in my account when I left. So it was extremely low. So when I, start, when I started, started my boot camp, like I said, the, the investment was extremely low. The only thing I needed was I needed some money to purchase flyers, right? And in terms of space, the first boot camp I had after I left DBG was at Prospect Park. There was a, a, a place that had a, it was positioned in a way where it provided shelter, but also 
I didn't have to pay any, any money. So my overhead was extremely low. So as I brought a, brought on board a few clientele, I was able to save up. But I wasn't really thinking about the future in that sense. Like I've learned a lot. I've learned a lot over the years. So like when I first started off, you know, I wasn't thinking about how much money I need to invest in uh, a company. I was I was not thinking about startup capital at all. You know, if what I know right now, I wish I knew it before. But everything happens for a reason. <laughs> so what what would you what would you share with our listeners that that you would have done differently maybe as you were going through that period of your life? What would you what would you say to the younger Thomas? Get a mentor. Get a coach. That's the fastest fastest way to speed forward by getting a coach, a mentor. I didn't have a mentor, no coach. I just went according to what I thought was right. Good advice. And can you share a mistake that was made? And then on the flip side of that, some a decision that was made that was really positive. The decision that was positive was leaving the corporate gym I was working for because I saw a lot of folks that were much older than me there for such a long time. And I didn't want to be like these people doing the same thing over and over years and years. So that was one of the best decisions I, I made. The mistake that I also made was not stacking up, <laughs> not um, you know, not planning accordingly. That would have made things much better in terms of building up my business and providing me peace of mind. Switching gears a little bit, and again, something I've taken from your website and, and something we've talked about, the philanthropic side of your business or what you call the social sustainability impact goal. That is very near and dear to my heart. I am the philanthropy chair at Modera. So anytime I see someone who has as much of a well thought out plan as you do, is really encouraging to me. Can you share what you've laid out on your social sustainability impact goal? My social sustainability impact goal of impacting 50,000 people per year is something that's near and dear to my heart. I came up with this goal recently around COVID. So I believe in listening to your intuition. I'm a, I'm a person that lives with his heart on his sleeves, right? I, I love to help. I've always been that kind of person. So one day when I was in my kitchen, I had this uh, epiphany and the question was asked, TJ, who do you want to be? Do you want to be that person that's always going to complain about life, about society and what's going on? Or, or are you going to be want to make an impact? And the number 50,000 came out of nowhere. Impact 50,000 people. And once I got that number, I'm like, I, I kind of asked myself, why 50,000? I, I was a bit confused, right? 50,000, that's a random number. Why 50,000? So I, I shared this with my coach. And I also shared it with a few um, folks within my network. And a buddy of mine from Australia, he owns a few companies, about eight companies out there. He connected me with this gentleman that lives in Singapore. He's the, the chairman of this not-for-profit called B1G1. We hopped on a, a Zoom call. And he had, his energy was such electric. You know, he has so much energy for a person that's in his like late 70s. He was so enthusiastic about his company and by his not-for-profit that I kind of bought, I mean, I kind of bought into it. But what I, what I love about B1G1 is they match corporations with causes all over the world. And they also provide 100% of the proceeds to these causes. Now, I'm a person that's, I'm big on due diligence. I love me. 
before I dive into anything, I do my research, right? So I did my research and they were legit. And I, and I told myself, this is definitely what I need. So I decided on the spot that I'm going to connect all of my activities to this. I'm going to connect all of my company's activities to a course. So now every time we get a new client, we provide 365 days of solar energy access to a school in India. Every time I have a podcast interview, we provide school, school supplies of books to children in Cambodia in honor of our guests. Every time I pay my coaches, we provide portion of the proceeds to women entrepreneurs in West Africa. You know, every time somebody's fill out a survey, it's the same thing. So now everything is, is connected, right? And now it, this allowed me to make my goal more attainable, opposed to just guessing. And I mean, so far we've, you know, we've impacted a little over 4,000 people, but it's such a fulfilling feeling to be able to impact people while growing your company without asking for a handout. And, and obviously the reason you do it is very personal, but do you see it helping get clients because of your willingness to give back? Yeah, this is something. I mean, like I said, this is something we've we've into um, we've incorporated recently. So, with where Get Up and Get Fit was concierge is right now, we've we've restructured. We recently changed up the the website and things of that nature. So we haven't really tapped heavily into marketing yet. But a lot of folks are extremely enthusiastic when it comes to work with us. Even my podcast guests, when it, when they hear about the impact goal and how we are, you know, providing books and supplies to children in Cambodia on their behalf. They're, they're enthusiastic about, you know, having the podcast interview. So it's been a great journey, you know. Absolutely sounds like it. The growth. Are you seeing organic growth? You just mentioned that there's not a huge marketing effort, if I heard you correctly. So has your growth been organic through referrals of people you've worked with? Yes, it's been it's been organic. Um, the reason why um, I mentioned we haven't done heavy marketing yet, I wanted to restructure and incorporate all the little details that we've um, focused on doing, doing like last year. So I told my team to hold off on, on the marketing. So December and January, that's going to be, um, we're going to focus more on the marketing efforts initiatives. That's when everyone sets their New Year's resolutions exactly. and works out the yeah. month of January. <laughs> then needs an accountability partner. There you go. So yeah. I believe in timing. It's all about timing, you know? Yep. Talk to us a little bit about your staff. You've mentioned a couple of people that you're working with. How did you find them? How many people do you have? Uh, how does that work? I have a digital marketer. I have a person that handles you know, our um, newsletter and um, articles, things of that nature. Uh, and I actually leverage, uh, I leverage a lot of um, VAs. Working with VAs has been a blessing for me, right? I have a few folks in the Philippines and also in Dubai that has really, really helped big time. So it's a small team, but it's, it's going to grow. Eventually, the goal is to um, have somebody come on board and focus on the operation so I can focus on what I love doing, which is creating relationships and thinking outside the box. That's great. You know, as we come to a close, your story is just remarkable, Thomas. So thank you for sharing it with us. But give us one thing maybe that I did not ask that you want to share about your business or about your journey, because it's a unique one and it's a terrific one and it obviously very successful one. So is there something I missed that you would like to share with us? 
you, I mean, you did pretty well with the questions, Mike. Mike and Mark, <laughs> you guys did pretty well. <laughs> you guys are a great team. Of course, you George in the background. I appreciate your energy. <laughs> um, yeah. Questions in terms of question, um, what drives you? Yeah, yeah. What drives you? What that, that's a great. Let's do. Let's go there then. What does drive you, Thomas? What gets you out of bed in the morning? The ability to um, create impact. The ability to foster change, the ability to make the people that passed away proud by doing my best to make a difference in others' lives. You know, all, all of these things drive me. My family drives me. I'm the eldest out of five siblings, so I know I have to be a role model. That drives me as well, you know, really, really making an impact. That's great. That's great. We usually wrap up with a kind of a, a question out of left field, Thomas. So like we've talked a lot about your, your, but what was the last non-financial decision that you've had to make in the last day or so? The non-financial decision I had to make yeah. was whether, whether or not I should go outside and jump rope this morning. You know, that's not financial, you know? <laughs> that's, that's, a, that's a good enough conundrum. Yeah, five o'clock in the morning, um, I told myself, should I get up? And go outside, jump rope, and I just and I made it happen. <laughs> good, good for you. That sum that sums up your attitude. Well, thanks very much to Mike and to Thomas for letting us listen in on their conversation. We appreciate your time and perspectives, and thank you, our audience, for tuning in. We hope you'll join us next time on Decision Dialogues for more stories from successful business owners. So long for now. Thank you for listening to Decision Dialogues. We hope you found today's stories helpful for your own decision-making. If you'd like to listen to more episodes, you can subscribe on your preferred podcasting app or visit our website, where you'll also find show notes and important disclosures. www.moderawealth.com forward slash decision dialogues. This has been a production of Twin Flame Studios.